Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome back once again to our study of the book of Proverbs. In our last study, we were looking at a passage, Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verse 13 through 18. And we were talking about wisdom and how uh, we can see Christ in many of the wisdom passages in the book of Proverbs. So we're going to read through this text again, and we're going to keep looking at Christ here in chapter 3. So let's begin in verse 13. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who hold her. Her fast. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, please, when I'm praying, also pray with me. This is not just something that preachers do after they read the text. Um, if it is, then it is uh, very offensive to God. We pray because we truly need his help. And we especially need his help today in talking about Christ. Father, again, once... Once again, we come before you. We ask for your help because, Father, we're talking about the most important matter in the scriptures, in your mind and heart. We are talking about your son. And I pray, dear God, that you would give us aid. I pray that you would uh, give me understanding and speech clarity. And I pray, Lord, for the young people that are listening. Please, dear God, please, in all this confusion that is going on today, let them see that only one thing is truly important. Eternal life. To know you and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Oh, dear God, raise up a generation far superior to my own, a generation of grace, truth. For your glory, Lord, for your son's honor, for the people's good. In Jesus name. Amen. Now, young people, uh, whenever I get the chance, I want to introduce you to people that are extremely important to me. And I have to say this, it's going to be shocking. Many of them are dead. (laughs) Um, I love reading the Reformers. I love reading the Puritans. I love reading many of the um, older evangelical preachers. One of my favorite, if not my all-time favorite preacher, is uh, Charles Spurgeon. 
And I can't tell you, there's, there's no way of knowing how many sermons of his that I have read, that I have studied. And one thing that I noticed about Spurgeon, whenever he was getting ready, ready to really talk about Christ, especially when he was about to talk about Calvary, he, he would be apologetic. He would uh, basically say that he was going to fail. Now, he's considered by most to be the greatest preacher who ever lived. And yet, when he would take the theme of Christ in the gospel, he would say, he would apologize. He would say, I am going to fail. And and why? Not because he wasn't a great preacher or he had bad theology, but because the subject, the theme was so high. And he would often say, even if I had the mind and tongue of the highest angel, an archangel in heaven, it still wouldn't matter. I would not be able to comprehend nor communicate the glories of the person of God revealed in the mediator, Jesus Christ. And, and I want you to see that. You know, I guess there's a lot of treasures in this world and there are a lot of things that you can hunt for and live for. But Christ is the only treasure that is infinite in glory infinite in wonder, infinite in beauty, infinite in love. And and you must see that. You see, I want you to catch a glimpse of Christ uh, because the more you see Him, the more you'll want to see Him. And then begins a chase which goes throughout all eternity because being infinite in glory, you'll never catch up. You'll never exhaust who He is. I like to tell young people, you know, they talk about heaven and streets of gold and gates of pearl, but I'm sure that'll kind of get old after a while. They are things that are finite. We can reach the end of their glory, but you can never reach the end of the glory of Christ. So if you want to seek something, if you want a journey that goes on forever, leading from one delight to a greater delight, then seek Christ. Now, I want to give you an introduction again, like we did before, about finding Christ in the book of Proverbs, because we need to be very, very careful. Let me read what I read last time. Uh, Throughout the book of Proverbs, there are striking similarities between wisdom and Christ. It does not mean that you can substitute the name or person of Christ in the place of wisdom or understanding every time you see it. Nor does it mean that there are exact parallels between Christ and wisdom as it's revealed in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Some people have said there are direct parallels every time and they get in a lot of trouble especially when they get to, uh, for example, Proverbs 8. But it's probably best to look at this subject, as many scholars have suggested. And what is that? That the wisdom displayed in Proverbs is a type or shadow of an infinitely greater reality. And that greater reality is Jesus Christ. Remember, everything in Scripture, the law, the history of Israel, the wisdom literature, The prophets, everything points to Christ. Those Old Testament sacrifices, are they a direct parallel of Christ? No. They're a type or shadow of something far greater. His sacrifice, His infinitely worthy blood on Calvary. Do you see? Moses, was he a type of Christ? Yes, but is he the fullness of who Christ is? Absolutely not. He's like like maybe a... I don't know, a little match uh, compared to the, the sun, S-U-N. 
everything that we see, even some of the judges and things like that delivering Israel, they're a type and shadow of a much greater, perfect reality. And if you're studying the book of Hebrews, that's what it's all about. And so here, in in looking at this passage, um, many things parallel Christ. Not exactly, but enough for us to gain something Uh, some understanding about him that is wonderful. So in the last uh, session, we studied how blessed is the man who finds wisdom, finds Christ, and and the man who gains understanding, who gains Christ. And we looked at Christ as the greatest revelation of God in John chapter 1, verse 1, and John chapter 1, verse 14. We looked at Christ in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 30 and 31, that that He is our redemption. He is our righteousness. He's our sanctification. He's our wisdom. He's everything. Everything. And that's not an exaggeration. And then we looked at Ephesians and we talked about spheres. You know, we once existed in the sphere, our context of Adam identified with Adam and it, it was sin and, and, and judgment and condemnation. But now, if we're a Christian, we've been translated out of that sphere into the sphere of Christ, where it is righteousness and life and not just life, eternal life. And so if you're going to talk about having a relationship with God, if you're going to talk about blessings from God, if you're going to talk about anything that has to do with God, it has to be in the context of Christ or what you're saying is just not true. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. Now, having seen that Jesus is the true source of all divine blessing, we're going to see that He's more desirable than all things in the universe combined. He really is. And that's why you need to seek Him. You know, I've told you this many times. I give my children when they're young an illustration that if I, you know, sometimes we're having a Bible study and I see that they're a little apathetic. And I say to them, you know, um, what if I told you I buried a hundred pounds or a thousand pounds of gold somewhere in the backyard? And I told you you're free to go dig it up. Now, it's going to be about ten feet below and I'm not going to tell you the, the exact spot, so you're going to have to dig a lot. They would dig probably for years, wouldn't they, to find that. Yet, sometimes we don't dig to find Christ, who's an infinitely greater treasure. And, and look, you're not talking to like some new believer who's just kind of excited. I'm like, I'm getting up there in years, and I've walked with him for decades. And you know what? He's more precious now than even when I first met him. That I can say. He's more precious now. So, he's more desirable than all things in the universe combined. It says in Proverbs 3, 14, let's read. For her profit, speaking of wisdom, for her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. Well, let's look at that now. For Christ's profit is better than the profit of silver and his gain better than fine gold. He is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire Nothing 
compares to him. And when I was a young Christian back in the 80s, it was, there was a song, Oh Lord, you are more precious uh, than diamonds. Um, you know, and, and I used to sing that song and think that was so true. Now I think it's more true. Um, more precious than gold. More beautiful than diamonds. Um, he is. As a matter of fact, all those types of things are, are like, well, we could use the language of the Apostle Paul, couldn't we? They're like rubbish compared to him. Oh, young person, you have to spend your life on something. Spend it on him. Spend it on him. Um, I want to just, you know, it's kind of talking about finding him and that the profit of him is greater than than everything else. I want us to look at two passages that have always been really encouraging for me in this area. I want us to go to the book of Matthew. okay? and we're going to go to a very special chapter that is, well, it's known for its parables. So chapter 13 of the book of Matthew. And look at verse 44. Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. It is like a treasure. It is like the greatest treasure that's ever been found, but only slightly like that because it is so infinitely more. Um, If you took all this world and everything in it, all the wonderful things in it, and if you multiplied it by millions and millions of worlds, All the treasure, all the wealth, everything that is there could not even begin to compare to one glance at the person of Jesus Christ. You say, oh, Brother Paul, that's an exaggeration. No, it's not. It's really not. And even I, who have seen so little of him over the years, can say to you that the little I have seen is worth more than worlds combined. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and hid again. You say, Brother Paul, I don't understand. So he's, he's found Christ, he's, he's found the kingdom, and now he hides it? Are we supposed to hide it? No, you're not understanding what's going on here. Uh, be very careful when you're looking at parables that you don't try to draw exact uh, parallels between things. The idea here, imagine if, if you did find a treasure, okay? You found a treasure and it was in a field that you did not own, okay? So if you found it, would you just lay it out there for everyone else to see? No, it would be so precious to you. So you would desire it so much that you would hide it again so that you could quickly run and make a purchase of the field. That's the point. It's trying to show that when he finds this, this treasure is the most precious thing he has ever seen. Um, Not only the most precious treasure he's ever seen, he's never even imagined that something like that could exist. 
When I was an unbeliever, um, I would have never imagined that Christ could be as good as He has been to me. Or as beautiful, wonderful as He is revealed in the Scriptures. You couldn't have convinced me. And now I know that I don't even know the tenth part of it. Now, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now I want you to look. He doesn't say because of duty, because of fear, uh, because if he doesn't get the treasure, he's going to die. What does it say? Because of the joy. Now, there are a lot of different reasons. As over the years I've led people to Christ and I've heard testimonies, people come to Christ for different reasons in a sense because God works different things in their life. I've seen people who came under a great fear of judgment or a great sense of their sin. But I've also seen people who were converted who knew they were sinners and they were converted just out of the joy or the immensity of the love of God that was revealed to them. But the one thing I want you to see is this. Ultimately, when you get to know Christ and know what He has done for you, ultimately, it is for joy. The joy of knowing Him. The joy of serving Him. The joy of a future reunion with Him. And I can tell you, you know, I'm, I'm almost 60. I get really tired, work a lot. Um, and, you know, sometimes my, my children will say, Dad, you know, you're working too hard or you're doing this or doing that. Why, why, why? It's for joy. It, it's for Him. It really is. He is so wonderful. And young person, as I look into this camera filming it, it makes me, it really makes me sad. Because I know that I can't explain to you how wonderful He really is. But I can say this, taste and see that the Lord is good. So here, I want you to look. It says, from joy over it, He goes and sells all that He has and buys that field. The joy of knowing all my sins are forgiven. The joy of knowing I have a reconciled relationship with God. The joy of knowing that death now has no sting for me. The joy of knowing that everything I've, I've done will not be lost. The joy of knowing I will one day stand there and behold my Savior's face. The joy of knowing that the relationships that, that I've lost because of death will one day be restored when I step over into heaven and I see those who have gone before me. Joy. And that joy causing him, in this case, to sell all that he has and buy that field. Now look at verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. Where we don't know really here in, in verse 44, you know, whether the man was seeking treasure or whether he just stumbled over it. But here in 45, here we have a man who's actually he's seeking for something better than what he has. I can remember getting up at the university before I was a believer and going into the shower. I don't know why it always happened, but I'd go in the shower and it was this brick wall and I would look at it and I would go to myself, you know, why am I getting up so early? Why am I studying so hard? Why? I'm just going to die. I, I'm just, you know, one day 
everything. It just doesn't matter. It's hopeless. Why? Everything seemed so dark. And it caused me, not because I was necessarily a, a godly young man or anything, but it just caused, there was such an emptiness. I was going, there's got to be something more. And I would get angry. And I'd even ask professors and different things, you know, what is, what's the meaning of life? And of course, in a secular university, talking to atheists and different people like that, there wasn't much of an answer they could give me. Matter of fact, their answers were pretty pathetic. And so I was seeking something of substance. And young person, look, right now you probably don't think a lot about eternity and purpose of life and why do we exist, but when you start really thinking about it, man, if, if God's not in the equation, there's just no answer. There's just no answer. And one of the things, young person, I want you to see, what the devil's going to do with you is entertain you to death. Yeah. That's why these things about, you know, internet and video and everything on your phone and, and you know, virtual reality and everything. Yeah, the, in a sense, they're neutral. But in another sense, they scare me to death. Why? Because you get so distracted with regard to that which is not real, with regard to temporal temporal pleasures with regard to immediate gratification that you no longer think the big thoughts. Why am I here? Why am I alive? You see. But here we have a case. It says, he's a merchant seeking fine pearls and upon finding one of great value. Now there are pearls, I understand, of great value. But I mean the kingdom of heaven is so great they just make gates out of this stuff. Nothing on this earth compares in value to the kingdom of heaven and knowing the king of that kingdom. Nothing. Nothing. Heard an old preacher say, gold? Gold? Why would you work your entire life for gold? Where I'm going when I die? They pave the roads with that stuff. You see... Don't be satisfied with the trivial of this world. Please don't be. When something is out there, someone is out there more desirable than an infinite number of universes. And so he says, and upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. This has happened countless times in history. We see that Moses, you know, even though he did not, he didn't have the revelation of Christ that you and I have in the New Testament. Still, it said that he didn't, you know, he, he forsook all the treasures and the power and the reputation and fame and luxuries and pleasures of Egypt because he saw Christ even from a distance. We see that that Abraham left his land and went to a land that he did not even know about because of the promises of God. We see, you know, down through the ages, countless Christians and missionaries. You know, I brought up, I think, a few weeks ago, Jim Elliott, you know, who died as a martyr there in, in Ecuador. And in his Bible, you know, it, it was something like this was written. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And... Um, The Bible says you're a fool if you live for this world. 
And if you live to amass treasures in this world, you are a fool. Everyone else may think you're wonderful, but the only opinion that really matters is God's, and He thinks you are a fool. But the one who loses his life for Christ's sake, the one who says no, if I have to, I'll lose everything. But it's worth losing everything. If I, if I might have Christ, you see, if I might have Christ. You know, we talked a few weeks ago or a few lessons ago about, you know, some believers are, it is, it is God's will they be wealthy and that they use their wealth and things like that for the sake of the kingdom. But I want you to know that there, even though some believers are wealthy, some believers give everything they have, some believers lose their life, I want you to know that all of them have something in common. There is a cost. We may not see it so evidently in the wealthy man, but there is a cost. There will always be a cost to following Christ. Make no mistake about it. But He's worth it. He is worth it. He tells us He's worth it. The Scriptures tell us He's worth it. Paul the Apostle, who suffered untold uh, just harm and danger and pain, said Christ was worth it. And uh, for what it matters, myself, I'll tell you, He's more than worth it. He's more than worth it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. Are you like just someone who you're just so satisfied with nothing? Or is there a holy unsettledness, a holy emptiness, a holy ambition that there's got to be more? Well, there is more, but it's not a thing. It's not just a way of life. It's not a church. It's a person. And that person is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, in our next lesson, we're going to look at the fact that Jesus is not only a source of all blessing, not only is He more desirable than all things combined in the universe, but He's also a source of life. Not a source, but the source of life. And um, we may get to the last part, I hope. He is a kind Lord. That maybe not doesn't sound too... Uh, Dramatic, but it's one of the most precious truths to a sinner like me who's been saved by grace. He is a kind Lord. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. 